fuck this script. Can we just do an intro without one? Yeah, fuck it. Roll the track. Welcome back to Authorized Antics. I am Taylor. And I'm Hannah. We told y'all we were coming back today. Woo! It is December 26th. You will listen to this on the 28th. We are almost to the end of 2021. And I didn't think we'd make it, but here we are. (laughs) I'm proud of us. I am really kind of in a black dark deep rabbit hole of reflection based off of what this past year has been but not in so much a negative light more in like a positive light and that is kind of what this episode is about today now you might click off this immediately because this is your fifth podcast episode you've heard about end of year recaps 2022 resolutions but we really don't want that to be this episode Since now between the end of the year, all you're going to see are recaps of people's years in highlights and positive reflections, and you're not going to see like the nitty gritty work that, you know, people have done that have negatively, negatively impacted their past year in order to help them grow and kind of, uh, you know, transform and redirect themselves into 2022. And so we kind of want to create a bit of a platform for those sort of growing moments and self-realization moments of, oh, we've had these like negative kind of habits and patterns that we found ourselves breaking over the past year and growing out of. And we want to share those with you because we feel like they're not brought to light as much as they need to be. Yeah. Taylor and I really want this episode to be about giving ourselves credit for the things that would otherwise go unnoticed and full transparency when we were thinking about what episode we want to do next we kind of had an idea about focusing on situations that we were wrong in or we were the problem in and then I started to think about doing that episode and I was like that can get really negative really fast and as much as I think it's important to look at how you were in situations and where you went wrong and look at things from another person's perspective. I kind of want to give ourselves a little pat on the back for things we have accomplished, like mentally and through our emotions or maturing or growing up, things like that. I just hope that you can take the time to do this for yourself too, to make yourself feel better because it's not all about like where you went this year, how much fun you had. It can be about personal growth too. And Also, I want to say a lot of these goals that we're going to talk about or like things we want to accomplish or things we did are still ongoing. It's not like, okay, we started these once the clock hit 2021 and now we're done with them and now we're going to have resolutions that we'll achieve in a year. Like that is so much pressure, I think, and is not a natural thing to occur like you're not just going to immediately become a better person on January 1st and yeah that's not just going to change the next year so all of this is ongoing and fluid I feel like I needed to hear that and I think you like accidentally made such a great point because with end of the year recaps and beginnings of the new year it's we're we're programmed on like a schedule task oriented time uh 
what's the word, time sensitive sort of calendar to, okay, this is the year that I'm 21 and next year I'll be 22. Like what should I have already grown out of or what should I be focusing on now? And that's just not accurate. I think when we were younger, we were probably told that, okay, it's new year, new me. But as you grow older, I want like not only myself, because hello, I need to like practice what I preach over here. But also for those of you listening, like understand that when you wake up tomorrow, like, I don't know, it's just January 1st. It's, it's, it's not any sort yeah. of miraculous thing. You can absolutely make it an important date. Um, you know, in your mind, if that works for you to start something or to end maybe a toxic habit, but just know that nothing is going to happen over time. It's about consistency and constantly like learning. Okay. I want to start with this one because it involves both Taylor and I. So Taylor and I, a few weeks ago, were in our hometown and we were out and about at the bars like usual. And we saw a guy who honestly is just always an ass to us and every time we see him it's like he's trying to get a rise out of us and get under our skin and for me it always works like I always get annoyed I always react in a way that I'm not proud of later on and he always annoys me and so when we saw him this last time he kind of approached us with that same attitude of like looking to get us all worked up and both Taylor and I killed him with kindness Mm -hmm. and he like was coming in with this energy of like trying to get us to act the way we used to and like revert back into this old version of ourselves but we were not having any of that we were calm cool and collected and we were just nice to him and didn't take it like in a place that was negative and I just was really proud of both of us I feel like I've gotten better at that of like not feeding in to the reactions that people want me to give them and not reverting back to like an old version that they used to know because then that just makes me upset because I know that I'm better than that no that's such a good point and I don't think like when you're talking about the moment in that situation I didn't really realize what was happening but all I realized is that this interaction has never felt like this. It's never felt mature and civil and nice. And this has happened with other people. Like it's not just this guy, but this person is just someone that, you know, has had that history with us. And I think in this situation, the lesson isn't even like kill them with kindness. It's kind of like take a breath and like be present with who you are now. And like you exactly said, don't feed into what they want from you. Just act as if you would like be proud of how you acted like an hour later which we were and I feel like in past circumstances that's not the case because we would revert back to this old self of ours that they knew from you know previous years and and that's just not us anymore I think that that is kind of a good segue into a bigger kind of thing that I wanted to touch upon because obviously a lot of people say that like 20s are a turning point for self-realization but And as much as Hannah and I like to self-reflect and, you know, overanalyze, not even like other people, but ourselves, I think I have had a really big takeaway of picking battles, of choosing Mm. which are appropriate to pick and which are not, like which is going to add, which battle is going to add more fuel to the fire, Uh, you know, don't pick that one. Or, you know, if this battle is questioning, like, 
your morals and your values as a person or someone else's, I should say, is questioning your morals, then pick that battle. Mm-hmm. I think I've had a lot of experience with that over the past year. And the reason why I mentioned that whole 20s is just because not even in like my past year, but the past like two years of my 20s of being away at school, having a lot of rocky friendship dynamics and realizing, okay, this is the effort I put forth. And yet I still feel like I'm picking this battle and I'm not winning it. And maybe I'm not even looking to win it. I'm just looking to get some sort of like civil ground. And for like a brief example, I've had like at least two friends that I was really close with in high school in the beginning of college and now I'm not. But for years after years, I feel like I put forth so much effort and picked the battle of trying to like hang on to our friendship for so long. And it was so emotionally draining And only this past, like, summer, so probably, like, six months ago, halfway through the year, did I realize that certain battles aren't worth picking and those specifically are not worth it. What is worth it, you know, in another example, is family dynamics for me. Like, kind of having a rough patch with, like, a sibling or something and not being on speaking terms. That's a battle that I now realize that I want to pick because they're worth more to me than a friend who doesn't want to put forth effort, whereas a family member is someone who is so much more important to me. Obviously, this goes hand in hand with a lot of different like life dynamics and situations, but I just think for the longest time, especially in my late teens, my parents especially would tell me to pick my battles, and I just would be like, no, fuck that. I want to pick all of them. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't deserve to be treated like this. I'm going to pick this battle. I don't deserve... Mm-hmm to be spoken to like this I'm going to pick this battle and they're like you're going to learn that not every battle is yours to pick and now I feel like I finally understand that yeah I feel like it all comes down to valuing your own energy because at a certain point it's causing more harm than good and I feel like I can relate to that too. You're basically talking to a wall at that point where you're like hello I'm giving you all this effort and energy and you're not giving me any back. Don't you see that I'm here? Don't you see that I want to be your friend? Don't you see that I'm treating you good? And it's like, no, they don't see it. A lot of people don't care. And if they don't care, that person's not worth it. This is not planned, but that literally goes into another one of my points. (laughs) Not needing validation from people who don't give a shit about me. Mm. And this is one of the points that's like ongoing. Like I'm not perfect at this at all. I still get really down about it sometimes. But I've noticed this year is like the biggest year I've had growth in this area. So for me, I'm mostly talking about a family member that I always wanted them to know that I'm smart or could add value to their life or I'm not a disappointment, things like that. Pretty much just wanting them to give me attention. And when they weren't, obviously was making me sad but then I would take their view on me or their treatment of me and view that as like the end all be all like if they weren't giving me time of day or they thought this way of me then I thought that way about myself and then my whole day was ruined. I feel like I've been working at trying to not let people who have these negative viewpoints of me affect how I view myself. Yeah that's a really good point and you mentioned 
you had that struggle within a family dynamic. I've talked about this on the podcast before. I've had it like within a relationship of like men. And I feel like sometimes that's a larger conversation of um, making like kind of younger girls, like having them think that like the validation of men is what, you know, drives them through a successful 20s of finding their person and marriage and all that stuff um, because they start to measure their worth. But I don't feel like it's as discussed enough with family members of trying to, I guess, prove to somebody even more important than like a silly little boy in your life, you know, that you are worth it and that you are smart. And I think that's like a huge step toward growth because for me, like, I know it's not going to take me long to grow out of like the whole men validating me thing, but like, thanks for sharing that because I don't feel like a lot of people talk enough about, I mean, the stereotypical like title for it is the straight A student who like can't keep like not proving themselves toward their family. And I think the older it gets, the harder it, like the older people get, the harder it is, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I want to say too, like it goes the other way of maybe that person whether it's a family member it's a boy a partner whatever when they finally do give you like your praises or say nice things about you or are thinking positively about that you're gonna take that so to heart and then finally view yourself in that positive light but the second it goes away then you're going to be back at rock bottom. So like it goes both ways, whether they're viewing you negatively or positively, then that correlates to how you view yourself. Like it shouldn't be like that at all. You should just already have an understanding of who you are and whatever they think doesn't matter. And I'm not talking about people who are good people in your life and care about you because I think you should sometimes, you know, take their opinions into consideration. Like right. if they're like, hey, you're being a shitty friend, you should think about that. Right. But I'm talking about the people that are not there for you and don't put energy and effort into you how they view you should not matter to you at all that's like a whole different like line that I feel like sometimes our brains don't recognize that we're crossing because we do get so involved and obsessed with this validation we don't realize that we're seeking it from somebody who doesn't give a fuck about us yeah and that's not always the case. Like, obviously, like you said, sometimes, you know, you are seeking validation from someone that you want to make proud who is worthy of making proud, like a good friend, like a good parent. But yeah. a lot of the times it does come from people who don't care half as much as we do about them. Yeah. And it kind of like goes back to what you were talking about, about putting your energy into friends that weren't there for you at all. I feel like we've both gotten better at this of like choosing who and what is worth it because life is fucking short and it just keeps on moving and it's really not worth it to be with people who bring you down or don't reciprocate that I keep saying energy but what you're giving to them no I think that's a good term to like keep bringing up because it's a really big important factor in our lives and I know like just the overall energy of relationship dynamics also affects a lot of people and that's kind of what it comes down to and I kind of want to now talk about something I it's such a general kind of like umbrella sort of topic, but it's genuinely just being extra attentive to what makes me feel good and what doesn't. And that is on both sides of like, 
paying attention to what people do and don't do, but also paying attention to what I do and don't do and what kind of lies in the area of like, okay, this is benefiting me and my energy. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I wanted to circle back to, whereas yeah. this is not. And I think I've been able to categorize this in both two different things, like my body and my emotions. I think being able to recognize that the term like listening to your body is not just a facade that a lot of like fitness influencers try to throw at you. And even if it is, um, I think spinning it into my own reality is what I've been able to like grow through. And that's like not even on the terms of like physical health, but it's also, I've kind of spun it into like the area of my sexual health. Like I would talk about this to my friends and I've talked about this to Hannah. It's like, yes, casual dating works. Yes, casual dating works for me. But like, I kind of start to feel icky at some point or another if I'm with one too many people in my mind. Um, And then I have friends like reminding me like, that doesn't like, you know, really like validate who you are. And it doesn't make up who you, it's just like actions that you choose to do. And I realize, well, maybe that's not what I like to do as much anymore. So being extra attentive to that has kind of allowed me to take better control over my sexuality and my sex life. Also, hence in terms of like working out, listening to my body and maybe just going for a walk that day rather than doing a two-hour workout. I think that is kind of what I've dove into. And then in terms of my emotions, I feel like it's just so much more specific than, you know, my physical body. But basically, I think that comes from from others because I internalize a lot of things and don't allow myself to feel emotions. But I've, you know, recently understood that it is okay to feel your emotions. And recently, like I've been going through grief with my family and I've realized that it's okay to grieve the certain way that I am at the moment because it's not how I grieved you know, a few years back when I had another loss, like it, you know, that sort of emotional dynamic grows with me and being just more attentive to what sort of emotional release feels good and what that buildup that I'm so used to, what doesn't feel good. So yeah, I think it's just like really, really honing down on like being attentive to what makes me feel good and what doesn't. And I owe half of that to this newfound feeling of being present in my life because like over this past year I also worked on my anticipatory anxiety and so I think being more present has helped me to be extra attentive to that oh okay I didn't even think about that in that way because we always well I mean I feel like I always tell you this to like healing is healing type of thing where like you Mm -hmm. gotta let it out to release it which I think is true a lot of the times but also Mm -hmm. what you said sometimes things aren't worth it to let out those emotions and really you're just working yourself up and I kind of am taking what you're saying as like you taking back control of your emotions and not letting those people or those situations getting you worked up because maybe they're not worth it and there there are certain things that truly are affecting your mental well-being that are heavy that like you grieving with your family that you need to feel those in order to process it but and it goes back to people who aren't worth it who are making you feel sad or shitty that maybe it's not worth it to cry over them because that's just hurting your mental well-being right and you know listening to this you might be thinking well 
isn't that just pushing your emotions down because you don't want to deal with it? I don't think it is because recently, especially within this past year, I mean, I'm kind of just talking from like a previous Taylor standpoint of like, well, not letting it bother me is just suppressing it. But I think I've found and have understood not to cross that fine line between pushing it down and suppressing it because I don't want to deal with it versus completely like releasing it from my energy and my aura to not let it affect my emotional well-being. Yeah, we just talked about this like off the podcast, but I was saying, I heard another podcast person say that the opposite of love is not hate, it's apathy because that means that you just don't care about the person. And in a lot of situations, that's where I've been trying to get through is that I don't have like a negative emotion towards someone I have no emotion and not in a way where I'm shutting down and disassociating and suppressing it but in a way where I'm like more chill about it and I'm just like oh like I don't hate them hope they're well but I'm just kind of gonna focus on me sort of thing like a more neutral headspace not like an intense emotion that's just draining me right and sometimes for Hannah and I putting like labels or words to feelings (laughs) is important and so the quote that you said about like how the opposite of love is not hate it's apathy I think Mm. that was like a turning point for me in the year two of realizing what that means yeah okay my next point I swear Taylor and I didn't plan this but every every point we have like transitions into the next one but yeah my next thing I wrote down was um being okay with not having labels on things or like hard definites of things um, and not needing to compartmentalize people into categories of friends because way back one of our beginning episodes friendship breakups that episode we talked about like putting friends into certain boxes Mm -hmm. sort of like organize our brain but I kind of took that to the extreme. What a shock. (laughs) Like that kind of became like not good for my headspace because Mm. I would do that with friends, but also I would kind of label people. And this is like, again, an extreme way of thinking, but I would kind of label like, okay, this person's good. This person's bad. Or like I can go to this person for only these topics and then this person in this situation, and then I won't tell, like, in my mind, I'd be like, okay, I already told this person this personal thing about me, so I won't get share it with them, and then I already did this fun thing with this person, <laughs> like, it was just too much, like, yeah. I took it to the extreme of, like, here's the categories that this person is for, and that is not a good way to look at people, <laughs> like, yeah. And, like, if someone did one fucked up thing to me, it's not like I would completely be like, oh, fuck you forever, but I would kind of put a label on them of, like, kind of lowering their status in my life. This sounds fucked up, but it's just the truth. People are are just people. Like, they're not 
they're not in filing cabinets in your brain. You know what I mean? So I've been trying to kind of like blur those lines with people. And that's kind of what I was saying at the beginning of the podcast, like everything is fluid. That's kind of like a main theme of what I'm trying to achieve or what I think I have started to achieve this year is not making everything so firm and exact of like, this needs to be this way and this person is now this way in my brain. I feel like if we needed to sit and put our growth on a piece of paper, this is it because I forgot about that episode. I was like ranting and raving about how compartmentalizing people in your life, especially friendships, was like a healthy thing to do. And maybe at the time it was, but now I look back and realize that it was just I think a means of maybe avoidance or not really sure what to do with these friends that weren't leveling up to my expectations. But now I'm like, no, like you're not better than them. Like they're all so human. In that episode for like that point of compartmentalizing friendships, Taylor and I were thinking of specific people, obviously, and we were truly giving them excuses for the shitty behavior towards us. Like these people were treating Mm -hmm. us shitty And we were like, oh, it's fine. Maybe they're just not a best friend anymore. No, Hannah and Taylor from February or March, whenever we filmed that, like, no, you were being treated terribly and they shouldn't be in your life at all. I have like just a quick point I wrote down because it goes into all of this. I'm learning to be okay with changing my opinions and thoughts on things because, and it goes back to what you were saying about how now you're kind of changing the way you're viewing like your sexual health and what you want to do in that area. I think that's so great to admit that, oh, maybe you want to be different now because that feels better for your body or for your mental state, whatever. I think that's something really hard to do because I get stuck in ways where I'm like, this is Hannah. These things define me. So I must think this way because that's what makes me me. And I'm kind of talking about how I am around certain people like their expectations of me like oh they expect me to be goofy right now or how I used to be or whatever but maybe I want to be different now and that's okay or even going to like politics like say you have a view on something and then someone gives you more information or a different viewpoint I think that's really powerful to be like yeah I actually I'm changing my thought on that. Like you don't have to be stuck in a certain way forever. That's such a good point that I didn't really reflect on after this past year, like after kind of like preparing for this app. But I think it's something, maybe it's because I'm not completely where I want to be with that, but that's okay, I think. But that's such a good point because what I was saying about how like, oh, changing kind of the way that I view sex and dating and boys and it's maybe not I don't want it to be as casual as as it has been in the past that feels almost like a weird spin on my personality or my identity because I've always been the single friend I've always been the one with like the crazy hookup stories and the going out stories and so for me to change that dynamic and to I don't know, announce it to people and be like serious maybe about like a date I'm going on, it kind of feels weird Mm -hmm. and kind of feels wrong. So being able to get to that point of realizing that identities change more frequently than we are even comfortable with, you know? Yeah, because I think we're scared of 
changing the way we think because of how other people are going to view us. Like maybe in your head, and I don't want to like project onto you or tell you how you're feeling, but like, this is just how I'm taking what you're saying. Like maybe certain people view you as like, oh, Taylor, she's so crazy and fun, has all these stories. And you're like, oh, I don't want them to lose that version of me or like make them feel disappointed in me if I kind of am changing a little bit. Yeah. But again, it like, it doesn't really matter if that upsets them that you don't want to have a crazy hookup story. Like it doesn't matter that say if you get a boyfriend or are just serious about dates, it doesn't matter what they think about that. Like you want to do what's best for you. And maybe that sounds selfish, but I feel like. No, hearing it from someone else, it doesn't sound selfish. Hearing it inside my own head, it does. Because I feel like I do someone a disservice by changing their perception of me or something because yeah. I again I it might go back back to validation of oh they don't they think I'm different now and they don't like this different aspect of me so they're not going to praise me as much or like me for the things I do and that's going to affect my self view and self-worth of like how I see myself yeah so I started going back to therapy at the beginning of the semester in like September ish for OCD and one of the main things my therapist asked me when we first started was what would be a reason that you wouldn't want to go through with getting treatment for your OCD and I was scared to even admit this to her but I was like I feel like I've had OCD and have dealt with it for so long that it's literally a part of my identity and defines me like to my family to my close friends to people who don't understand OCD and I've had to explain it to them I feel like in some ways I am the girl with OCD and I feel like if I were I was like I'm scared to shed that layer of me and that would help my mental well-being and life so much if I could minimize my OCD but I was like I'm scared to do that because I feel like this defines me and that's something that I've been working on these past few months of like maybe it served me in a good way at one point or was a part of me at one point but it doesn't have to be like that forever that's such a good point I feel like people can relate to that in a lot of different aspects of their life mental health being one of them or you know something as simple as like having colorful hair I don't know but like shedding that part of yourself and changing that part of yourself is a whole sort of almost identity crisis and I kind of also think I went through that with getting like treatment for my anxiety with my anticipatory anxiety let me do a bit of a backstory for like my job at school there's these things that we do called Clifton strengths and people are probably familiar with it but it's like your top five strengths and I think my number third one is like futuristic and the strengths change every year you have to reevaluate them every like five to seven years but now that I'm much more present in my life and not as anxious about future things that haven't even happened I feel like that supposed strength of being futuristic has been taken from me or that I I like removed it from my identity and I'm like someone else without it but I'm not a bad version of myself without it so I yeah I feel like that's hard to come to terms to I feel like speaking about therapy it's a big conversation and, you know, we've talked about it in the past and we could do like a whole season on it, I feel like, let alone a whole episode. Um, but one of the biggest things that I've learned this past year 
therapy has to do with it is just the general idea of asking for help. Mm. I'm 21 and I've never been able to do this in my 21 years of life. Even when I was four trying to do something that I was not capable of doing, I could not ask for help. I just felt like I was a burden to others. I felt like it took away from my independence. And since I was such a young age, wow, this all just ties back together about validation and identity. (laughs) I was always told that I was independent and mature. So asking for help always made me feel like that took those characteristics away from me. And up until this year, like literally probably September or October is when I realized that asking for help does not make you weak. And if anything, it makes you stronger because you have the emotional capacity to recognize that you are in need of help and you're self-aware enough to know what's going on and that you just can't do it alone. And that's okay. And um, one of the reasons I mentioned therapy is because I had a great therapist over the spring and the summer. We worked on what we needed to work on. And um, I kind of took a pause and got back to school, was on new medication and was doing decent. Um, And then obviously with a change of routines and a change of environment, um, things start coming up like OCD, like family trauma that I wanted to get back in therapy for. And my thoughts about it, and Hannah knows this, have just been so dreadful because the hardest kind of part of like doing something or completing something is just simply starting it. And I think there's a huge like misconception with therapy is that being in therapy is the hardest part. And for some it is. For me personally, it's just getting myself into it because it is like dating. It You know, you need to find the right one and you need to make sure they're Um, treating whatever you may be diagnosed with or capable of diagnosing or just having the, you know, educational background to talk about certain specialized aspects of like your life with them. And it's very overwhelming for me. And finally, my mom, um, I think it was like in October, November, as she's like crazy and starting her Christmas shopping, she's like, what can I get you for Christmas? So I called her and I said, I need a service of yours for Christmas. And she's like, what? I was like, I need a service of yours. She's like, okay. I was like, can you please help me find a new therapist? She's like, that is not a Christmas gift. I said, well, it's going to be because it's a long, dreadful process for me that takes a while and it's exhausting. And I will give you whatever information you need in terms of why I need therapy and you know, insurance and all that good stuff, but I just need help. And I feel like it's been like a thousand pound weight off my shoulders, just having her do that heavy work and me not being able to like sit back and relax because I understand that I need to do the work mentally and emotionally through therapy, but just asking for help in that sense was such a huge turning point. And there's another little like side story that's kind of funny with this. I think like literally last week I FaceTimed Hannah finally after a while and explained to her that I need her help getting over a boy that I never (laughs) literally in my like entire span of like my 20s thought that I was going to fully get over. But long story short, I just did a lot of reflecting because December has been like a heavy month for me and my um, like, you know, whole being attentive to my emotional part of my, you know, body and my mental health, um, this person just does not make me feel good. And I feel like I had the final straw with them. And so I said, Hannah, 
I'm going to, I, well, Hannah needed it in written documentation, which I provided her, but I said, I really need your help. You've been through like thick and thin with me and this boy of my past. I just need you to hold me accountable. If for some reason he decides to reach out and I entertain it, I number one need to tell you about it because I cannot be sneaky and, you know, break this promise to myself. But if this breaks and I get back into this cycle, you have to hold me accountable and you are able to choose any tattoo of your liking and put it anywhere in my body. And I have written documentation, I signed it, everything, sent it to Hannah, and she has it in PDF documentation. And I know it's stupid and I know you might think we won't go through with it. But this is just... Oh, we will. We will. Because as silly as it sounds, it just really affected my mental health and my emotional well-being. And I needed to reach out and ask for help because I've tried time and time again to get over it on my own. But sometimes I've just been a fool and, and needed needed that extra assistance. So I asked Hannah for help. <laughs> I hope Taylor doesn't have to get a stupid tattoo, but I'm not going easy on her. I'm taking this very seriously. But a few days before we FaceTimed and you gave me that document and told me that's what was happening. I literally thought about Taylor and this boy. I had a reflection about Taylor and this man (laughs) by my lonesome, but because I was like checking in with myself about being a good friend. And I was like, should I step in? Like I was, (laughs) I was literally like, I literally went back and forth with myself because I was like, okay, I don't think he's good for her anymore. But I also I didn't end up saying anything at that moment because I was like, I know Taylor can handle herself. Like, I know Taylor makes good choices. But I'm human, like, and sometimes yeah. my emotions get the best of my myself. Yeah, like, what I was thinking about when you were saying all that, this is so cheesy, but I've seen, like, tweets like this all the time that are, like, check in on your strong friend. But it's oh, so yeah. true because true. that's always how I think of Taylor. Like, Taylor's Miss Independent. If I had to, like, give three words about you, that would be in the top three for sure is that you're mm-hmm. independent and can figure out your shit by yourself. But again, how we were saying, we don't need to give these definites to who we are. That's not always who you need to be. And at some points, if you need to ask for help, that doesn't make you any lesser of Taylor or any weaker. And it doesn't change your whole entire identity and personality like you're just a human exactly yeah I feel like obviously like there are some things in my life that I still don't ask help for whatnot but I think honestly out of all the things I've talked about today that's probably the largest realization that I've had that I like am looking forward to kind of carrying into my 20s because I'm I think comfortable with breaking the like label of like being independent and not that I don't like that label and not that I'm not independent but growing up it's identified me and it's a great characteristic but it does prohibit me from doing some things like asking for help and I just think that's the most growth I've done this year. So I have two last things they kind of go hand in hand and they center around two friends that I used to have that are definitely not the same ones that Taylor was talking about earlier. I feel like I've gotten better at cutting people off that make me feel bad about myself and one of those ex-friends made me feel dumb. She made me feel like I was very stupid and not as good as her and that all my life choices were bad and that's not a nice feeling for 
a friend to give you and that person's not in my life anymore and then with another friend something like stupid and dramatic kind of happened which is not really worth my time explaining yeah (laughs) eventually something happened and another friendship of mine ended and both these friendships didn't really have a big conclusion there was a lot of gray area and that's my last point that I want to get even better at because I'm kind of like just realizing this within the past like few weeks so this is like an ongoing thing but I feel like I'm slowly getting better at finding closure through my own head and by myself rather than telling everyone exactly what I'm thinking like with this one friend specifically there was never anything said of like okay I feel like this because you hurt me in this way and this is exactly what happened on my end there was never a big conclusion and I honestly at this point don't think there's gonna be and I'm learning to be okay with that because I know how I feel about the situation now and since that person's not in my life that anymore that's really all that matters I used to be last year or like two years ago especially I feel like if there was ever a conflict or a blowout or something I was a big paragraph sender of like Mm -hmm. this is what happened you know what I mean like those long paragraphs like okay this is exactly how I felt at this moment like a lot of times that's just not worth it to send all that because the person doesn't give a shit (laughs) yeah just not worth it and especially if that person's like not in your life you just have to be okay with where it's at I just don't think it's worth it to have this big ending it sounds like I'm just leaving it up in the air but it's more about being okay within myself a lot of things that happen in life with a lot of different relationships the other person isn't gonna give you closure half the time I feel like the only situations I've been in where I've gotten closure from that other person is if they were respectful and mature enough and cared about me enough to give me closure, which and then I also gave them closure. But not everyone in your life is like that, hence why I think a lot of people struggle with leaving things open-ended because giving yourself closure is hard as fuck. I feel like it's harder than receiving closure from someone else and that closure isn't something that you even want. And I remember, I think a few weeks ago when we were talking about this off the podcast, I was like, It might be a situation, especially come the new year, where you need to give yourself closure in your head. And after I told that to you, I realized like how hard that is to kind of practice what I preach because sometimes, I mean, specifically with this boy situation in my life, I'm completely giving myself my own closure. Like it's not a relationship that I could reach out to him and tell him like how he's made me feel and how he's hurt me. It's a really weird dynamic. And that is how it is sometimes with friends too and even family. It's not worth the energy to even ask for closure or try to get it. Sometimes you preserve, like, I feel like what it feels like, like emotional years. You pre- you preserve like five years of emotional like baggage or, you know, well-being of yours by, you know, giving yourself that closure because sometimes people can't do it for you. Yeah, like you're not going to reach out to the guy that was previously in your life. Right. But your kind of closure is, even though it's like silly or whatever, is the fact that you wrote up a document and you're Literally. like, this is my last, like that was your last straw. Like this is your last thing you're putting, oh my God, hang on. <laughs> the last thing you're putting your energy into. I'm sorry, I can't think of other words today. 
but that's kind of your last stance on that and that's your closure like that's the last thought hopefully that you're gonna have about him right and that like yeah like sometimes like you just need to like put it out in front of you like literally on a sheet of paper or like type it on your laptop and type it as if you're gonna send it to that person but you don't because you know that their response is not either you're not going to get a response or it is not going to give you what you need and sometimes you can only give yourself what you need Yes. Okay. I took this class one time where we had to, either we had to write out apologies to someone or we had to write out an apology we wish we had gotten from someone. Mm -hmm. And that's something I want to go back and do hopefully before the new year or just, I don't know, sometime over the break of writing more of those because that is kind of a form of closure. Like, what could have been said, what you wish you'd send, but it never gets sent to them because that's kind of opening that door back up if you actually talk to that person. It's more for your own self. Yeah, sometimes you take steps backwards. Yeah, when these two friends, when I fully realized they were out of my life, it was pretty hard, like towards the end of summer, like beginning of the semester, especially one of them, I never expected them to be out of my life. Like I never imagined that. So that was rough. But I feel like I'm getting better at and kind of like being okay with having less people in my life, a less quantity, but higher quality sort of thing. Yeah. And not just running back to people just because I'm lonely. Like if they're toxic, I would rather have less people than have toxic people. Yeah. I mean, if we want to talk about things that we want to continue bringing in to 2022 in addition to these is the whole entire idea of quality over quantity and I feel like we were told our whole lives that that was a lesson that we would learn in our 20s after you know having thousands of friends in high school and only two or three of them being meaningful Mm -hmm. and you know here we are kind of living in that lesson which I think is is important. We kind of want to shift now we want to talk about what we want to be better at and keep improving on but I don't want to say new year's resolutions because they might not get resoluted they might not get resoluted at the end of the year or quickly or we might epic fail at them but they're just something that things that are in the forefront of our minds that we want to improve on so A big one for me, like probably the main one for me is I would like to lower the stakes of everything in my life. And what I mean by that is for one of my final papers, it was called like perfectionism leading to procrastination, the mind of a college student. That was my title. (laughs) That's cool. Because that is very true for me is that a lot of the times I put so much pressure on things And then if they turn out badly, then I put that all on my like self-worth. Like if it, or I'm so nervous about something turning out perfectly that I don't do it at all, or I just get so anxious about it. It goes along for a lot of things. Like it goes along for school a lot, like starting my assignments. I put so much pressure onto writing, especially I'm like, okay, if this essay isn't my best work ever, then I'm a terrible writer and I shouldn't even be studying that anymore. Like, that's kind of how I view that. But I also do it with people too. Like, if I'm seeing this 
one person and we don't have an amazing time today, then our friendship is terrible. Like I yeah. put things at such high stakes when they don't need to be. So, yes. Yeah. Yes. I absolutely struggled with that. At a weird point in my life, I feel like early teens is when I struggled with that. But, and it was something that I never thought I was going to escape. Like I never thought I was going to be able to like see the day where, you know, I didn't put everything at such a high, you know, standard in my life, but you know, you can do it. <laughs> That's what I, I say. <laughs> Thank you, Taylor. <laughs> As you're kind of talking about kind of what you want to work more on in 2022 and kind of what you want your year to look like, I have had this thought for a few months because, um, and don't say a word when I mention Taylor Swift. There's meaning behind this. But recently, Taylor re-recorded her Red album, and in the All Too Well song, there's a line that says, I'd like to be my old self again, but I'm still trying to find it. And I feel like ever since that was released, like back in 2012 versus now, I feel like it has been a heavy thing that I reflect on because I think there was a time in my life that I just really loved who I was and what I was doing. And ironically, it was senior year of high school. I didn't always love what was going on around me and the dynamics, but when I was, you know, just alone with myself in a room and my thoughts or in front of a mirror based off of the way that I looked or the way that I carried myself, I just really loved who I was. And so I would really like kind of hold that line to heart of trying to find my old self again. But now I understand that I don't think the word myself has one image to it. It is you, you know, throughout your entire life. But there is never, I think, in at least in my current life, that there's a point I could or like a version of myself that I could revert back to. Because say I wanted to revert back to a body type. Well, I don't like live with my parents anymore and you know eat their home cooked meals all the time like I'm a poor college student like my body doesn't work off of that anymore. like there's so many different dynamics to why I can't look like that anymore or um you know how I can't view myself like that anymore and that's not always in a negative light it's more or less of like okay if you know you felt good about yourself during this time I'm trying to teach myself in 2022 that I can still feel good about myself in that same way again, but just as this 21, almost 22 version of myself and not, you know, 17 or 18, because those two tailors are not alike as much as I'd like them to be. Just understanding in general that like feeling the best version of me is just all I want to accomplish in 2022 in terms of like, you know, every dynamic. And I understand it might not be achievable because there's lots of different elements to, you know, my life that don't, are not always going to be good or positive or perfect, but I just want to feel better about myself than I have in 2021. Yeah. I really like all of that, Tay, because we are changing. That's what we're supposed to do. And I, I like the example you gave of like, yeah, your body type's changing because maybe you're not eating home-cooked meals anymore and like the way you were senior year although you loved yourself 
yeah, you can't get back to that person because your experiences and everything you were going through in life is totally different. And now there's different people in your life. You live somewhere else. Like all the elements and the environment you're in is totally different. So how you react to the situations that you're thrown in this year are going to be way different than what you dealt with senior year. There's no possible way you can be that same person because you're changing and also life and everything around you is too. Right. And I think for so long, I would just be so hard on myself trying to revert back to different stages in my life of, okay, this version of myself in regards to my mental health was at its, you know, most positive peak in this year. So how can I get back to that year? What was I doing? And it's like, well, you weren't doing anything in this current, you know, time and day that you were back then. So getting more comfortable with understanding like, where I'm at and how I can work with like what's around me. Um, I don't know what's what's that quote. It's like grow where you're planted sort of thing. I never loved that quote because I don't feel like being planted anywhere is something that you need to live by. Yeah. But I think I'm gonna in 2022 learn to interpret it as you know, do what you can with what you have. Work toward what you want, but understand that you know, you're not going to achieve things like maybe you used to, and that's okay. And I think that's a hard pill to swallow in my own experience. But any way that I can feel more like myself is what, that's all I want to do in 2022. This is like so broad, and this is definitely not going to fully happen within a year because it's probably going to be a life struggle. One of the things I would like to work on at some point is to not self-sabotage. I do that all the time. I want to do an episode about this specifically, but I, I've never struggled with this until this semester, but I self-sabotage with food. So I have celiacs, aka I'm allergic to gluten. Taylor always makes fun of me, <laughs> but I always self-sabotage myself with this because if I'm like in a depressive state or like feeling low, sometimes I'll be like, fuck it. I'm already feeling shitty. I'm just going to eat a bunch of gluten, which like makes my physical state terrible. Like I feel sick when I do that, Mm -hmm. but I'm like adding more fuel to the fire. And like, I do that with binge eating. Like sometimes I'll be full, but I'll like continue eating till I feel sick because Mm -hmm. I like want to cause myself some type of harm or pain. And Mm -hmm. like, I I don't know. I've just never... I do self-sabotage in other ways too, but that's like a new thing that I've just picked up. So I would like to not do that anymore. Yeah. I mean, self-sabotage, we talked about it in like a jokingly sense with our like hangover anxiety and self-sabotage sense because, you know, you can self-sabotage yourself out of like a romantic relationship with like a good person, but then it can, you know, kind of affect your life in a deeper depth and, I think realizing that and kind of learning to work on that is a big step. With self-sabotage and understanding how to not, I guess, act on it or just participate in it is also probably consistency in terms of like mindset and actions, which is something I wanted to kind of transition to. I feel like that word has surrounded me a lot in my journey to like better health physical and mental of like being consistent with my medication being consistent with therapy consistent with physical activity sometimes it's overwhelming because I think the thought of doing something consistent for a long period of time is hard because it's not something that you see immediate results from but 
I know that it's something that pays off. And I've seen it within education of like working hard for my education. And now I'm about to graduate in May. And, you know, that sort of consistency with my education, you know, has led me to really successful things. And so I think I want to bring that concept of consistency into 2022. I just have one last thing. I would like to put effort into myself that I do to others and believe that I deserve it. And that is the main part, is that believing I deserve it. Because sometimes I don't think I do. Sometimes I don't find it worth it with like basic tasks too of like taking care of myself sometimes it's just basic things that I don't put the extra effort in because I'm like it's just it's just myself like whatever like I don't I don't need that putting yourself first and understanding that you deserve all of the things the good things that happen to you is crucial and I don't think that lesson should be learned like any later in life so I'm glad that that is part of your 2020 goals and you know more positive mindsets because you can put yourself first but you know training your mind into understanding that you deserve to put yourself first is even more important everything you've listened to today on our podcast but also every other post that you're going to see about 2021 recaps and 2022 beginnings is just something I want to emphasize is Be easy on yourself and understand that like your life is not supposed to look like other people's and that's what makes it so unique and great even if this past year was not half as um, you know amazing as you expected it to be or manifested it to be or anything. Realize that like when you're walking down the street like you don't see the highlight of people's day like that's not reality. We're all just like cruising through life as best as we can and trying to make happiness our priority some people are just other like some other people are just better at showing it and posting about it because maybe that's their job or that's what gives them self-worth and validation so if you're not residing in any of that or you're not relating to any of that that's okay you did nothing wrong and we're all just out here trying to learn and grow very well said taylor please give us five stars and leave a review and follow us on instagram at authorized antics and we will see you tuesdays baby